0: Welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness, where we explore health, fitness, transitioning and queer life from beyond the binary. Proudly
1: brought to you by Fearless Movement Collective, the home of queer fitness and health. And here's
0: your host, Bowie Stovar. Hi there, welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness. This is episode 39. My name is Bowie Stover. my pronouns are they, them, and I am stoked to have you join me. This show is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never was and never will be ceded. And I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This week, friends, we have a very special guest on the show with us. This week, I got a chance to catch up with Riley. They are one of the founding members of Climbing QT's which is a climbing peer support group down here in Melbourne. And they have been climbing since 2013. What started as an obsession has now taken over their entire life and they are okay with that. (laughs) When they're not climbing, they work as a diversity and inclusion advisor within the higher education sector. Yes. And volunteer at an animal sanctuary as well as being a peer counsellor. They love nothing more than seeing others find their place in climbing, whether it's at the gym or out on the rocks. I really hope that you enjoy listening to our conversation. I had a lot of fun having a chat with Riley, learning about their passion for climbing and the advocacy work that they do for the trans and gender diverse community and just learning A little bit more about their experience with their body and how they've used climbing as a really amazing and positive outlet to help them find themselves and really connect with something that they are passionate about. Harali, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You're most welcome. Can you share a little about yourself and what physical activities you participate in?
1: I am a non-binary Korean English person currently living in Nam, and I mostly participate in climbing. That's my love and lots of other like outdoor activities I dabble in here and there. I think it's pretty funny when people call me sporty because I've never really considered myself a sporty person, but somehow I'm I'm, I'm in the sports space, (laughs) but I don't think I'm that well coordinated. I'm not really like, I don't understand rules and games and things. I just like moving and being active.
0: (laughs) Yes. Which is why you enjoy climbing so much, I guess. Is there rules with climbing?
1: I mean, there's like safety rules. So it's kind of like life and death. You want to remember what to do <laughs> sort of thing, but like I wouldn't be counting points necessarily. Or actually there's like all these different grading systems and I'm terrible at remembering what is what. So I'm not even good at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you have a preference for a type of climbing? Cause I know you, you do bouldering. Do you do, is it called rope climbing when you have the harness and
1: yeah. Ropes. <laughs> there's three like general styles here in Australia. So there's bouldering, which is without the ropes. And so you just land on a, on a soft mat. So there's shorter routes. And then there's lead climbing, which is with a rope and a harness. And so you can go up quite high, anywhere from like 30 meters to, you know, 300 meters. You can, just keep going. Or there's also tread climbing, which is short for traditional climbing, which is where you, there's nothing on the rock and you kind of take all your gear with you. So you have like things like nuts and cams and yeah, it's a bit more slower, but more adventurous, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's when you got to like find a little crevices to web, wedge the anchors yeah. in and stuff like that. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrifying. Have you done no much of that? problem
1: solving. Yeah. I love, that's my favorite one.
0: <laughs> that really? Yeah. What is the highest you've climbed?
1: uh height wise probably about 300 yeah. meters oh. took like all day kind of
0: <laughs> yeah but yeah so going down do you have to retrieve all of your stuff on the way uh no nah, you take it up
1: as you go you do like 30 to 40 meters at a time so you go with someone and then they clean up and then you go and you they clean up so you just go up, up 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 and then you just finish at the top sometimes yeah, yeah.
0: how do you get down
1: well, um, those really long routes are in in a lot of them are in the Blueies. So, um, and in the Blueies, you abseil down and then you climb up back to your car, so you don't have oh, to go back down. Okay, um,
0: then. Yeah. yeah, but
1: it like makes it super easy because then you don't have to do the hike out sort of thing, which can be a lot of work <laughs> with all the gear.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so neat. It's, it's like an adventure to take every you. time you'd go on practice. Yes. Oh, um, I don't know, that's scary.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like the adventure aspect. Like sometimes you'll be there for hours and hours and um, you just get in- yourself into funny situations and as long as it's safe, it's always a bit of fun. So... <laughs>
0: I don't, know, I don't know if you can have a funny situation on a cliff face. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, you know, you drop
1: things, you like forget what not to make, you get lost, you don't know which way to go. You're like, well, I have to go up somehow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's so neat. That's really cool. When did you get started doing that?
1: I think I've been climbing for about five years now. I lose a bit of track of time. I met someone who was a climber and they took me to the gym a couple of times and then they left, but I kept climbing for a bit. And yeah, I just got hooked. Like that was it.
0: Yes. It's so neat. Yeah. Did you practice much sports before that? Like you said you weren't very sporty. So that, was no. this, like, this is like your first official long-term <laughs> practicing. Like, it's very official. <laughs> like I was even- in like
1: a really – I was probably pretty unhealthy like in terms of physical health. I wasn't really doing anything active. I was partying a lot, which is, yeah, why I really, really love climbing because it changed a lot in me, not just making me an, uh, a sport active person but also like helped with my mental health and my well-being and I had been going to the gym a little bit at the time because I wanted to sort of like work on my health but but I found the gym a little bit boring or like there wasn't any sort of community around the gym that I was going I was always going by myself so climbing was just like a completely different experience
0: yeah very cool the gym is definitely not everyone's bag that is for sure
1: (laughs) Well, if I had gone to uh, some queer gyms, I think it would have been easier. But I was just going to the local one, and you know, no one really. People just stare at you, and there's no one to talk to. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's yeah, vibe. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's just there, like do, doing their own selfies, <laughs> mm, pretty much,
1: and no role yeah. models. I was like, that person doesn't look like they look like me. What about this person? No, no, they're not either. So, yeah, I don't know if I belong here. <laughs>
0: It's not it's not always space to look for diversity yeah. <laughs> yeah have you found that climbing has helped your relationship with your body, with your lifestyle, with your identity?
1: Yeah, so I mean I was definitely coming to terms with my non-binary identity at that time as well, so it was kind of this nice alignment. I was think I was looking for a way to feel comfortable in my body again and start to love it again and appreciate it because I didn't at that time and so when I was climbing which I really enjoyed it kind of I kind of had to start trusting myself and appreciating the things it could do for me you know putting myself in these scary situations and then getting myself out of them safely was something I was really grateful for and then also like learning to trust my body to do what I wanted it to do and then appreciating it when it was getting stronger So those were just like huge benefits that I kind of didn't expect when I started climbing. And now I really, really appreciate and love my body in a a way I didn't think I would. I still feel a little bit dysphoric sometimes, but I think that, yeah, it's definitely helped me with my my gender identity and affirming that. I can't speak for, you know, everyone. That's just my personal experience, but I do know that other people have felt similar ways as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's so neat. And I, I mean, I understand it, especially because like I've practiced a little bit of bouldering and stuff and the, the control the, and the, the need to kind of be aware of where your body's at. Why yeah. you kind of you know, stuck on a wall. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's such a, a big kind of invitation to, to just build awareness with yeah. every part of your body and balance and all that sort of stuff. Hey, eh?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's like, there's, um, so many different ways to do one climb depending on what you're capable of and like your flexibility or strength or like how you like to move. And so we can find our own ways of doing things. So there isn't just like, oh, you have to be fast or you have to be, you know, strong in this particular way. So I think that unique aspect allows people to sort of explore what works for them and then, you know, find pride in that as well, which is really nice, I think. It's like a problem-solving aspect to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you're not going to just get by with specifically brute strength or, mm. you know, just being overly flexible. It's like this unique combination of getting lots of little factors to work together. I know when I first tried it, I thought, you know, I've got pretty decent upper body strength. I'm like, this would be fine, but then I would just rely too much on my upper arms. And then after about three climbs, my arms are so exhausted, I'm like I couldn't hold the wall anymore. I'm thinking yeah. like that. I like don't think that's a good strategy. <laughs> 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 for about 10 minutes yes after that it's like I like no. seeing the, the mood
1: shift when a, a, a group of like gym junkies come into the climbing gym and they think they're gonna you know just take over and they're like just walk in all confident throw themselves on the wall maybe a few holds they get up there and then they realize they're just really not like that brute strength isn't what's going to take them to the next level and they're so humbled because they yep. look at the people that are doing yep. really well they're like oh there's oh uh, yep I need to work on my footwork and I need strength in my fingers and technique okay
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it's really I keep forgetting my legs when I go Zay- and say Zay would always tell me, it's like just straighten your legs up you 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 know you've got long legs just you could reach that thing and I'm like arms all the way <laughs> why can't I reach this thing <laughs> but Ponky yeah guys. Um, yeah Pretty much, there's um. It's it's interesting the way that physical activity can develop your body in certain ways, but it definitely never translates across the board. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you you're you're strong in some things because it's what you train in, and um, like for instance, I practice Brazilian jiu jitsu, and you know it's it's got strengths that I've developed because of that but that that definitely does not translate to climbing neither does kettlebell training (laughs) yeah yeah climbing translates to strength in climbing (laughs) (laughs) yeah I always find that's something I find really neat about just physical activity is that like when you develop the patience to practice a certain skill that's when you really kind of refine the technique because like you said it's so much of it is about that technique and, and uh, I guess developing a personal style and a way to move that suits your body because it's it's is so unique for everyone. You don't necessarily need to have any sort of specialised skill to develop these personal technique techniques to be able to do this stuff, hey?
1: Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and I think like also the mental game is pretty interesting in climbing too because – I don't know. I I still get adrenaline when I'm at the bottom of a climb and I'm getting excited in a way that I don't know if I experience in a lot of other sports. Like, I certainly don't when I'm starting a hike or anything or a bike ride. (laughs) Like, you know, I just get this, like, a little bit of fear, a little bit of excitement, and then I have to, like, find a sense of calm and really push through it and, like, work out why I'm afraid and reassure myself that I'm safe in my body, which I probably do in, like, spaces that are non-spawning spaces as well. You know, if I feel uncomfortable in a social environment, I'm like, okay, why do I feel scared? Why am I like seizing up and feeling anxious about this? Can I separate myself from the situation? So I find there's like definitely similarities in that. That's probably helped me in terms of my, in terms of being in social spaces. Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, That's so cool. That's, it's so great when a practice can be, helpful in other areas like you can you can see how like the benefit of that is so much more than maybe doing something that can be like doesn't require so much in, I guess introspection in a way because you know you, you're with climbing you're reliant on yourself do you compete because you can do competitive climbing don't mm. you and I guess then it, it's still all reliant on you having that capacity and the technique and that groundedness within yourself to be able to push yourself to those kind of points.
1: Yeah, I've been in a few competitions and they they were fun at the time, but I I'm, I'm not sure if I thoroughly enjoy comps cuz I'm I'm so hard on myself that if I come anything but first, I'll just be really disappointed. <laughs> um, and I blame my Korean upbringing because like it was always like you must be 100%. So, oh. um yeah, I I like hate failure in that level in that area, like in com- yeah. competitive competitive spaces. <laughs>
0: Oh, Oh.
1: (laughs) like competition yeah climbing's such a different there's there's, definitely it's like a performative sport you know there's one person generally climbing and then there's a room full of people watching and there's just this one and then it's like you either make it or you don't like um Mm. you you don't often keep trying which is probably similar in a lot of the other sports as well but yeah i'm not really built for that kind of environment
0: i don't think (laughs) (laughs) good to have that awareness so you're not kind of losing losing enjoyment of the practice then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, we'll stay out of the competition space and then I'll be able to enjoy it a bit more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So what do you think has been the biggest challenge for you being a member of the TGD community, engaging in climbing and in these kind of outdoor activities?
1: I mean, when I first started climbing, I didn't really see people like myself in the community. I think I definitely saw... People who I thought were part of the TGD community in climbing, but you know, you don't want to assume based on the way someone looks. And so I just, yeah, yeah I was always looking for people that were trans and diverse or people that were just LGBTQ in general. And I didn't see that. And I didn't really see any role models or, you know, hear us like sort of represented in the climbing community or the outdoors community either. So that was like a bit of a challenge, I guess, but that's probably why I felt so inspired to create Climbing Cuties with my friends. And I think that's why it's done so well, because we've all kind of found each other in a way and like yeah. really enjoyed that space.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you think there there was um, an unsupported, quite a large unsupported group of people from the TGD community in climbing, like before you started the cuties?
1: I'm not sure. I know there was um, smaller little meetups of people and like definitely, you know, I think queers find each other regardless, but nothing sort of like (laughs) formalized. (laughs) And, um, you know, a lot of our members are, you know, they just come and try or they just come along and have a go or they're very sort of like casual climbers, which is great. So, yeah, I think just creating a space where people can just be active, not necessarily feel like they have to be rock climbers is just good in itself there was definitely people floating around but climbing can also be a really independent sport you can just go to the bouldering gym on your own and leave on your own you don't have to talk to anyone so maybe that's how things were happening before that I'm not sure
0: yes that's so rad did you want to share with our listeners a little bit about the cuties
1: yeah so climbing cuties started just about three years ago with so me and a a group of friends um, we started organizing meetups and then we realized people were really enjoying that and so since then it's grown into more of an advocacy group and we have more formal sort of programs that offer opportunities for training and learning skills or going outdoors and going on like climbing camps and, yeah, we work with, like, climbing gyms and businesses as well to try and help um, support their inclusion strategies. So it's grown into something bigger than I expected it would, but I'm very excited by it and I
0: love it. It's so rad. It's it's such a – having gone to a couple of the meetups, it's always such a, a welcoming, chill space, and everyone is always so lovely. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah, I think I, I get I feel like that's just the general vibe, but it's good to hear the feedback
0: regardless. Yeah, no, it's so great. And you've done a lot of work. You talk about advocacy. You've worked with some climbing spaces to create more inclusion for TGD folks to participate in the sports. That's right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of our big wins was early this year when we worked with Sport Climbing Victoria, which is kind of our state peak body for professional competitive climbing. And we worked with them and the, and the facilities and the coaches and the route setters to create a set third category within the competition. So there's male, female, and then they created the inclusive category. So that was specifically for anyone that identified it as trans or gender diverse could be in that category and still compete. So it wasn't like a qualifying competition, so they can't qualify to go into the Olympics because that's a whole other bucket of yeah. you know, <laughs>
0: challenges. In the Olympics,
1: yeah. But the fact that they could be in a competition space and compete and participate is is what's important because participation is important. Also, role models important. The fact that they were visible in the community and others could see them is, you know just something that's important so that was a big win I'm really excited about that and although we've been in lockdown and haven't been able to run any more formal events in Victoria they are pretty committed to ensuring that inclusive category continues for all their future competitions which is awesome and I'm talking with the Sport Climbing Australia which is our Australian peak body so national about doing the same thing across different states which should be great as well
0: ah that's so rad and you've got a cutie sort of club that started in Sydney
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We um, we hosted an event for National Coming Out Day in October in Sydney at one of the Blockhouse bouldering gyms in Marrickville, because we've been working with Blockhouse since the start of the year on their inclusion strategy. So they have a facility here and in Canberra, and then also in Sydney. So it just kind of made sense to use that space and you know show off all the good work we've been doing with them. And I think it was really successful. I think there was like ninety people that turned up in total in response to that event and I didn't even have to be there so great (laughs) but I have some like (laughs) awesome queer rainbow ambassadors and staff at the gym that we've been working closely with and uh yeah they've just done such a great job with the space and with their business that I think everyone just feels welcome and automatically like safe
0: oh that's that's so great to hear it's really exciting when you have these spaces that don't just take that first step and do a little bit of training, but go that full step and implement the practices and just continually show up in those ways and invite people into the space. It's always, yeah, it's nice. I think I wish more more organisations went further like that and yeah. recognised the need that they can be allies to support the community.
1: I think it often just takes persistence and consistent like advocacy for that to really for, for them to really realise the importance with some of the training sessions we've run we've run like ally training sessions for the gyms it's during the session that someone will say oh like one of their staff members will be like oh by the way I use they them pronouns if everyone could use those pronouns with me from now on and so like for their staff to feel comfortable enough in the training session to come out as non-binary and then for their staff to realize oh why are they telling us now is it because they haven't felt comfortable or safe to do so prior to this and so that's almost like this sudden motivation to realize maybe we have more work to do so yeah sometimes it does take a training session for that conversation to start and even though you know they think that they already have an inclusive and welcoming environment there's always someone that maybe isn't you know uncomfortable talking or speaking out or or being being out in that space and we found that with quite a lot of you know facilities here as well in communities so just getting the conversation started is really good, I think. And then, yeah, like I said, being really persistent so that they know we're here to stay <laughs> we're not going anywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and just positioning ourselves as like experts in the field so that there aren't any mixed
0: messages. Oh, so great. Oh, I was, I, it makes me so happy to hear that the work you're doing can invite these conversations. People don't know what they don't know, right? And then they can think they're doing well and they do things with the best of intentions but without without that extra awareness that comes from just learning more or hearing from people who have lived experience in the space you kind of can open their minds a little bit more to what more they can do.
1: Yeah I think efforts to be trans and gender diverse inclusive can seem really disjointed and sometimes lead to more harm than good if they don't really and you know it's lack of understanding sometimes or maybe not doing the research but often it's just not talking to community and so I really encourage anyone that wants to start doing this work to just speak to us or anyone else like yourself who's doing this work in this space and also not talking to just one person because one person doesn't represent the whole trans and gender diverse community you know we all have different lived experiences. (laughs) (laughs) and like you know often there's like cis straight people and then queer and like we're this whole other bucket but we're so much more diverse than this one other (laughs) group of people so um yeah talk to lots of different people and invest resources invest money and invest you know human resources into doing that work and take the take your time to do it so that it's like at the core of your work rather than like this additional piece that can get dropped really easily when times are difficult
0: Right. If COVID has done anything, it's highlighted how almost mm-hmm. everyone has dropped their D and I teams as like the first thing to go. Yeah. Which is so concerning. It's like it just it shows how tokenistic they they can kind of view diversity and inclusion. It's like, oh no, we don't need it. Just it's it's not the most important thing. Don't worry about that. Let's just yeah. focus, let's just focus on this thing over here. <laughs> it's concerning when
1: they say it's core value, when you're like, Well, is it though?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh yeah so it's so important to us yeah. that we just don't need it anymore you know it's it's like yeah mm, i don't i think it's also
1: I don't know if businesses and organisations don't seem to realise that they spend so much time creating support programmes and workarounds to support the trans and gender diverse community or the LGBTQ community where if they just embedded inclusion into the core of their business, they wouldn't have to create these workarounds and additional supports for the exclusion that they've created inherently within their original framework. It's like if you fix the problem then there wouldn't be issues affecting us and you wouldn't have to do all this extra work to support us. We would just be thought of since the beginning. Like we know that the programs are built with us in mind, so you don't have to create like an extra thing or an extra thing here or like manage a complaint when a complaint comes
0: through. (laughs) right it it couldn't possibly be that simple though right no it's not <laughs> obvious at all <laughs> it's like it's something i've experienced with so much of the work i've done with other organizations in just developing more inclusive practices it's just like yeah but what you know what does the queer community want it's like well how would you like to be treated yeah. it's like you know with respect and dignity yeah just do that for queer people that's it it's this is not this is not complex like there's so much
1: unlearning to do because I think a lot of people approach inclusion like this is where I'm at, and now I'm just going to keep thinking the way I do and then try and add on more. Whereas there's a lot of unlearning people need to do about what they already understand about competitions and sports and like cis and heteronormative spaces and environments to then like rebuild. And so maybe that's pretty scary as well, because it means that they have to maybe dismantle current structures and like current systems yeah Yeah, I can imagine that would be scary to do and it's a lot of work to do
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely especially when so many of these systems have been in place for like forever as well people particularly in like the physical activity and sporting space it's like but this is this is how it's always been Mm. there's always you know it used to just be men's teams yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I think sports in general is still trying to get their head around women's competition, let alone inclusion of trans and gender diverse people in the space as well. Right? It's, yeah, it's it's so dated, and it's it's all what I've seen is it's all seems so much about being trying to keep sports as it is in this gendered sort of binary space. It's like, but what? How could sports evolve? How could physical activity evolve to not have to necessitate all of this stuff as well?
1: Totally. It's like,
0: how could competition be totally reimagined into something else?
1: Yeah, where we don't segregate by sex, maybe.
0: Right, exactly. We
1: do it differently. So, And, like, I think that's why I really love the outdoors community. Like, I love sports, obviously, but, yeah, outdoors community, we naturally – have an opportunity sort of to show the rest of the sporting community what's possible in terms of inclusion because we're not bound so much by facilities and by team sports and so much by like the binary of like male female in some of the more sort of a casual participation of the sport so we have an opportunity to lead the way and do things differently and like climbing's a relatively new sport compared to some others as well so like the newest sports have an opportunity to lead the way I know Quidditch is really inclusive
0: it's really new (laughs) yes I've I've heard quite a bit of talk about Quidditch it's I don't know. I don't know. It's I still laughing at it though. But like, <laughs> well, actually, no maybe to anyone out there who may play Quidditch, it's yeah. adorable. <laughs> I mean, J.K. Rowling's a turf, so now I don't know what that means, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's kind of sad, but when it comes to climbing and like outdoor sports, because this is something I've thought about—not climbing, but other outdoor sports—because I spent a long time snowboarding and surfing mm. and stuff like that. Sports that don't necessarily need gendered categories yet have been assigned to them anyway would you say mm. climbing is within that or is there a certain view that men's competition big quotey fingers here men's competition and women's competition is somehow needs segregation because people who are AFAB and AMAB mm. are fundamentally different in their abilities to climb
1: I mean so I think that like in terms of competition climbing they're kind of just following suit with the rest of sports mainstream sports Mm. and being like oh well if they segregate by male and female then we should as well there's definitely like climbing competitions out there boulder bashes for example anyone just goes and does whatever and you put yourself into a grade category like a weight category sort of thing but I think the other thing is that we just have a tendency to Put our understanding of the world into sports and our sports experience, regardless of where it is, whether it's on the surf or on the rock, you know, climbing is still dominated by cis white men here in Nam, at least. And so when they go into the gym, they look at a a wall and say, oh, well, that's a burly, manly climb and that's a feminine, delicate climb. Like they put those labels on those climbs and then people, and then that kind of feeds into the community in a really negative way. Like I've heard people say this in Mm. the space and I've heard women's, like women at a women's meetup tell each other, oh, well, this was like a quote. Um, someone said, oh no, but you know, we're not as good at, climbing those steep climbs because we don't have as much upper body strength and I was like what are you doing you're putting yourself in a box like you're in a women's event there's no men here just do whatever and so like I think yeah. we just feed into that cycle quite a bit yeah so that I'm trying to break that is like a lot of work and that's all language you know yeah. a lot of it's just language and how we talk and how we talk to each other and how we talk about things in in these spaces
0: yeah, absolutely. And if there's one thing I've learned about climbing, it is not reliant on upper body strength. <laughs> I've tried in it. To, I've, I've got decent upper body strength, and it has not made me better at climbing. So much core.
1: <laughs> got to keep that core in. So oh, much yeah.
0: Core. You got to. You got to like. You, you're hugging the wall in like really weird ways. Yeah. <laughs> Love a hug. Wall uh, hug. <laughs> it's it's such a shame, but so and so much of that feeds back into just the greater social narrative as well right and and this I think this view of everything being either masculine or feminine but then also men not wanting to put themselves into a space where they may be beaten by someone who's female or perceived as female as well yeah it's like yeah toxic masculinity
1: yeah it seeps into all the little spaces
0: (laughs) yeah yeah but we're here to change it's, it's, that, it's, so that's all good. We'll change it. Right. It's, we're we're going to change the world. Just everyone wait and
1: see. <laughs> 100% serious, though.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's why yeah. I'm here.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I have, I'm always learning more, you know. Like I never expect to be the... I like guess I consider myself like position myself as an expert but I'm always out to learn more and better understand and also because I have my personal lived experience doesn't mean I understand the lived experience of other people in my community so yeah I think as long as we value each and every member of our community and we make sure we create a space that where we're able to listen to each other and let each other speak rather than constantly taking the mic then you know we've, we've We'll do a lot of good work and I know you and I talk a lot but we're, t- we're talking to each other so that's fine
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I 100% agree though it's it's so important to just even with the work that we do to stay open I do kind of really
1: wish that more people saw sports as like part of the process of affirming their gender though because I don't know if that's talked about enough and I know that you and I share a similar view in that like
0: it's a is because not everyone wants to participate in sport and if they think they've just got to do it to compete and they don't want to then that it's also that deterrent as well
1: yeah I think that's why I enjoy climbing because you, you can kind of just go and have a like a social time and maybe that's why people enjoy coming to Cuties as well. Um, we, you know, we host events and we have like a few little other activities sometimes like a craft station or we have like food and snacks and, you know, you don't have to go and just climb. So you can come and hang out and then if you have a go, that's great as well. So having different options and also like it can be really intimidating to come along. Um, I think finding the courage to participate is just – one major step so expecting someone to come in and immediately compete is like or immediately be in a team sport and know all the rules and then perform is a lot of is is a lot to expect from someone so we try and like ease people into the space sometimes people message us and say oh I like you know I'm outside the gym and they don't know like don't have the courage to come into the space so then like we go and meet them at the front and like hang out with them or we'll have our like uh ambassadors in the space wearing climbing kitties t-shirts going and chatting to people if they look like they're standing alone so all those things you know trying to just get people to participate and have fun I think that's the most important thing
0: absolutely Ah, oh, that's so awesome uh, it's yeah definitely so much more needed I love your idea of community sponsored athletes because it's it's totally where it's at <laughs> like really sponsor when you think me, about it me. <laughs> <laughs> uh i go through a pair of shoes a year i can do with a sponsorship (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) it's all about it's all about just getting all the merch right (laughs) yeah
1: no don't sponsor me i talk it off like i said before but i'll find you some people
0: to sponsor (laughs) guarantee there's great yeah (laughs) absolutely Wow, this has been great. Thanks so much for jumping in. Before we finish up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with folks who are listening that you found helped you or any experiences you've had that could give people a a gem of wisdom from?
1: For allies, I think just reminding you to talk to community. Um, Like we said before, have a chat with us, get us involved with the work and advocacy that you want to do. And then for people within our community, I think, yeah, just have a go. If you're feeling a bit nervous about, you know, um, taking that first step, we are always have our doors open so you can send us a message on Instagram or Facebook or wherever works and we're a really friendly bunch. So, yeah, just get in touch.
0: Amazing. Thank you. What are your social media handles for anyone who wants to have a check out of your stuff?
1: The website's www.climbing qt so qts.com and then we've got instagram and facebook linked on there as well so we've got a closed facebook group and then there's a facebook page so yeah find the facebook group to get involved in the community side of stuff
0: amazing and is that just melbourne based at the moment or is there something opening up for sydney folks as well
1: yeah so we're going to start running monthly meetups in sydney for out of the Merrickville gym but um more information coming soon very cool
0: <laughs> Thanks so much for popping in, Riley. No worries. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Yay. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to today's show. If you want to get in contact with Riley or find out a little bit more about the Climbing QT's, you can go to the website, That is www.climbingqts.com. You can jump on Facebook and find them at the Climbing QT's or Instagram also at climbingqts. I will link to all of that in the show notes. So if you want to jump onto our website, you can check it out there and find out a little bit more about maybe how you can get involved, how you can learn how to climb, boulder, all of those cool things. (laughs) Friends, if you are enjoying the show, and you know other folks that may also enjoy the show or benefit from some of our episodes, I would love it if you shared the show or a particular episode with them. If you have any questions about today's episode or would like to learn more about how we can help you out, or support you, you can go to our website, www.fearlessmovement.co. You can send us a message from there, or you can try out our free seven-day trial if you want to see how getting active could work for you using our online training. You can also find us, message us at Facebook by going to Fearless Movement Collective, or Instagram where we are most active by going to non Fitness at the handle non underscore gendered underscore fitness by checking out fearless movement collective at the handle fearless underscore movement underscore co or by looking up me bowie as the dot no dot t dot ambi so until next week friends remember trying out new things can be really inspiring it can be life-changing and even though taking that first step can feel really daunting it is often the hardest part so take that step friend do something that may be new that may be a little bit scary but ultimately could connect you with something that creates amazing change for you in your life have a rados day